chapter fifth of the heart of midlothian by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah but up then raise all edinburgh they all rose up by thousands three johnny armstrong's good night butler on his departure from the sign of the golden nag went in quest of a friend of his connected with the law of whom he wished to make particular inquiries concerning the circumstances in which the unfortunate young woman mentioned in the last chapter was placed having as the reader has probably already conjectured reasons much deeper than those dictated by mere humanity for interesting himself in her fate he found the person he sought absent from home and was equally unfortunate in one or two other calls which he made upon acquaintances whom he hoped to interest in her story but everybody was for the moment stark mad on the subject of porteous and engaged busily in attacking or defending the measures of government in reprieving him and the ardour of dispute had excited such universal thirst that half the young lawyers and writers together with their very clerks the class whom butler was looking after had adjoined the debate to some favourite tavern it was computed by an experienced arithmetician that there was as much twopenny ale consumed on the discussion as would have floated a first-rate man-of-war butler wandered about until it was dusk resolving to take that opportunity of visiting the unfortunate young woman when his doing so might be least observed for he had his own reasons for avoiding the remarks of mrs saddletree whose shop-door opened at no great distance from that of the jail though on the opposite or south side of the street and a little higher up he passed therefore through the narrow and partly covered passage leading from the northwest end of the parliament square he stood now before the gothic entrance of the ancient prison which as is well known to all men rears its ancient front in the very middle of the high street forming as it were the termination to a huge pile of buildings called the luckenbooths which for some inconceivable reason our ancestors had jammed into the mists of the principal street of the town leaving for passage a narrow street on the north and on the south into which the prison opens a narrow crooked lane winding betwixt the high and sombre walls of the tollbooth and the adjacent houses on the one side and the buttresses and projections of the old cathedral upon the other to give some gaiety to this sombre passage 
well known by the name of the crames a number of little booths or shops after the fashion of cobbler's stalls are plastered as it were against the gothic projections and abutments so that it seemed as if the traders had occupied with nests bearing the same proportion to the building every buttress and coin of vantage as the martlet did in macbeth's castle of later years these booths have degenerated into mere toy shops where the little loiterers chiefly interested in such wares are tempted to linger enchanted by the rich display of hobby-horses babies and dutch toys arranged in artful and gay confusion yet half scared by the cross looks of the withered pantaloon or spectacled old lady by whom these tempting stores are watched and superintended but in the times we write of the hosiers the glovers the hatters the mercers the milliners and all who dealt in the miscellaneous wares now termed haberdashers goods were to be found in this narrow alley to return from our digression butler found the outer turnkey a tall thin old man with long silver hair in the act of locking the outward door of the jail he addressed himself to this person and asked admittance to effie deans confined upon accusation of child murder the turnkey looked at him earnestly and civilly touching his hat out of respect to butler's black coat and clerical appearance replied it was impossible any one could be admitted at present you shut up earlier than usual probably on account of captain porteous's affair said butler the turnkey with the true mystery of a person in office gave two grave nods and withdrawing from the wards a ponderous key of about two feet in length he proceeded to shut a strong plate of steel which folded down above the keyhole and was secured by a steel spring and catch butler stood still instinctively while the door was made fast and then looking at his watch walked briskly up the street muttering to himself almost unconsciously porta adversa ingens solidoque automante columnae vis ut nulla verum non ipsi excindere ferro solicole valiant stat feria turris ad aris etc dryden's virgil book six wide is the fronting gate and raised on high with adamantine columns threats the sky vain is the force of man and heavens as vain to crush the pillars which the pile sustain sublime on these a tower of steel is reared having wasted half an hour more in a second fruitless attempt to find his legal friend and adviser he thought it time to leave the city and return to his place of residence in a small village about two miles and a half to the southward of edinburgh 
the metropolis was at this time surrounded by a high wall with battlements and flanking projections at some intervals and the access was through gates called in the scottish language ports which were regularly shut at night a small fee to the keepers would indeed procure egress and ingress at any time through a wicket left for that purpose in the large gate but it was of some importance to a man so poor as butler to avoid even this slight pecuniary mulct and fearing the hour of shutting the gates might be near he made for that to which he found himself nearest although by doing so he somewhat lengthened his walk homewards bristow port was that by which his direct road lay but the west port which leads out of the grass market was the nearest of the city gates to the place where he found himself and to that therefore he directed his course he reached the port in ample time to pass the circuit of the walls and entered a suburb called portsburg chiefly inhabited by the lower order of citizens and mechanics here he was unexpectedly interrupted he had not gone far from the gate before he heard the sound of a drum and to his great surprise met a number of persons sufficient to occupy the whole front of the street and form a considerable mass behind moving with great speed towards the gate he had just come from and having in front of them a drum beating to arms while he considered how he should escape a party assembled as it might be presumed for no lawful purpose they came full on him and stopped him are you a clergyman one questioned him butler replied that he was in orders but was not a placed minister it's mr butler from liberton said a voice from behind he'll discharge the duty as well as any man you must turn back with us sir said the first speaker in a tone civil but peremptory for what purpose gentlemen said mr butler i live at some distance from town the roads are unsafe by night you will do me a serious injury by stopping me you shall be sent safely home no man shall touch a hair of your head but you must and shall come along with us but to what purpose or end gentlemen said butler i hope you will be so civil as to explain that to me you shall know that in good time come along for come you must by force or fair means and i warn you to look neither to the right hand nor the left and to take no notice of any man's face but consider all that is passing before you as a dream i would it were a dream i could awaken from said butler to himself but having no means to oppose the violence with which he was threatened he was compelled to turn round and march in front of the rioters 
two men partly supporting and partly holding him during this parley the insurgents had made themselves masters of the west port rushing upon the waiters so the people were called who had the charge of the gates and possessing themselves of the keys they bolted and barred the folding doors and commanded the person whose duty it usually was to secure the wicket of which they did not understand the fastenings the man terrified at an incident so totally unexpected was enabled to perform his usual office and gave the matter up after several attempts the rioters who seemed to have come prepared for every emergency called for torches by the light of which they nailed up the wicket with long nails which it seemed probable they had provided on purpose while this was going on butler could not even if he had been willing avoid making remarks on the individuals who seemed to lead this singular mob the torchlight while it fell on their forms and left him in the shade gave him an opportunity to do so without their observing him several of those who seemed most active were dressed in sailors jackets trousers and sea caps others in large loose-bodied greatcoats and slouched hats and there were several who judging from their dress should have been called women whose rough deep voices uncommon size and masculine deportment and mode of walking forbade them being so interpreted they moved as if by some well-concerted plan of arrangement they had signals by which they knew and nicknames by which they distinguished each other butler remarked that the name of wildfire was used among them to which one stout amazon seemed to reply the rioters left a small party to observe the west port and directed the waiters as they valued their lives to remain within their lodge and make no attempt for that night to repossess themselves of the gate they then moved with rapidity along the low street called the cowgate the mob of the city everywhere rising at the sound of their drum and joining them when the multitude arrived at the cowgate port they secured it with as little opposition as the former made it fast and left a small party to observe it it was afterwards remarked as a striking instance of prudence and precaution singularly combined with audacity that the parties left to guard those gates did not remain stationary on their posts but flitted to and fro keeping so near the gates as to see that no efforts were made to open them yet not remaining so long as to have their persons closely observed the mob at first only about one hundred strong now amounted to thousands and were increasing every moment they divided themselves so as to ascend with more speed the various narrow lanes which led up from the cowgate to the high street and still beating to arms as they went and calling on all true scotsmen to join them 
they now filled the principal street of the city the netherbow port might be called the temple bar of edinburgh as intersecting the high street at its termination it divided edinburgh properly so called from the suburb called the canongate as temple bar separates london from westminster it was of the utmost importance to the rioters to possess themselves of this pass because there was quartered in the canongate at that time a regiment of infantry commanded by colonel moyle which might have occupied the city by advancing through this gate and would possess the power of totally defeating their purpose the leaders therefore hastened to the netherbow port which they secured in the same manner and with as little trouble as the other gates leaving a party to watch it strong in proportion to the importance of the post the next object of these hardy insurgents was at once to disarm the city guard and to procure arms for themselves for scarce any weapons but staves and bludgeons had been yet seen among them the guard-house was a long low ugly building removed in seventeen eighty seven which to a fanciful imagination might have suggested the idea of a long black snail crawling up the middle of the high street and deforming its beautiful esplanade this formidable insurrection had been so unexpected that there were no more than the ordinary sergeant's guard of the city corps upon duty even these were without any supply of powder and ball and sensible enough what had raised the storm and which way it was rolling could hardly be supposed very desirous to expose themselves by a valiant defence to the animosity of so numerous and desperate a mob to whom they were on the present occasion much more than usually obnoxious there was a sentinel upon guard who that one town-guard soldier might do his duty on that eventful evening presented his piece and desired the foremost of the rioters to stand off the young amazon whom butler had observed particularly active sprung upon the soldier seized his musket and after a struggle succeeded in wrenching it from him and throwing him down on the causeway one or two soldiers who endeavoured to turn out to the support of their sentinel were in the same manner seized and disarmed and the mob without difficulty possessed themselves of the guard-house disarming and turning out of doors the rest of the men on duty it was remarked that notwithstanding the city soldiers had been the instruments of the slaughter which this riot was designed to revenge no ill-usage or even insult was offered to them it seemed as if the vengeance of the people disdained to stoop at any head meaner than that which they considered as the source and origin of their injuries on possessing themselves of the guard the first act of the multitude was to destroy the drums 
by which they supposed an alarm might be conveyed to the garrison in the castle for the same reason they now silenced their own which was beaten by a young fellow son to the drummer of portsburg whom they had forced upon that service their next business was to distribute among the boldest of the rioters the guns bayonets partisans halberts and battle or lockaber axes until this period the principal rioters had preserved silence on the ultimate object of their rising as being that which all knew but none expressed now however having accomplished all the preliminary parts of their design they raised a tremendous shout of porteus porteus to the tolbooth to the tolbooth they proceeded with the same prudence when the object seemed to be nearly in their grasp as they had done hitherto when the success was more dubious a strong party of the rioters drawn up in front of the luckenbooths and facing down the street prevented all access from the eastward and the west end of the defile formed by the luckenbooths was secured in the same manner so that the tolbooth was completely surrounded and those who undertook the task of breaking it open effectually secured against the risk of interruption the magistrates in the meanwhile had taken the alarm and assembled in a tavern with the purpose of raising some strength to subdue the rioters the deacons or presidents of the trades were applied to but declared there was little chance of their authority being respected by the craftsmen where it was the object to save a man so obnoxious mr lindsay member of the parliament for the city volunteered the perilous task of carrying a verbal message from the lord provost to colonel moyle the commander of the regiment lying in the cannon gate requesting him to force the netherbow port and enter the city to put down the tumult but mr lindsay declined to charge himself with any written order which if found on his person by an enraged mob might have cost him his life and the issue of the application was that colonel moyle having no written requisition from the civil authorities and having the fate of porteus before his eyes as an example of the severe construction put by a jury on the proceedings of military men acting on their own responsibility declined to encounter the risk to which the provost's verbal communication invited him more than one messenger was dispatched by different ways to the castle to require the commanding officer to march down his troops to fire a few cannon-shot or even to throw a shell among the mob for the purpose of clearing the streets but so strict and watchful were the various patrols whom the rioters had established in different parts of the streets that none of the emissaries of the magistrates could reach the gate of the castle they were however turned back without either injury or insult and with nothing more of menace than was necessary 
to deter them from again attempting to accomplish their errand the same vigilance was used to prevent everybody of the higher and those which in this case might be deemed the more suspicious orders of society from appearing in the street and observing the movements or distinguishing the persons of the rioters every person in the garb of a gentleman was stopped by small parties of two or three of the mob who partly exhorted partly required of them that they should return to the place from whence they came many a quadrille table was spoilt that memorable evening for the sedan chairs of ladies even of the highest rank were interrupted in their passage from one point to another in spite of the laced footmen and blazing flambeau this was uniformly done with a deference and attention to the feelings of the terrified females which could hardly have been expected from the vedettes of a mob so desperate those who stopped the chair usually made the excuse that there was much disturbance on the streets and that it was absolutely necessary for the lady's safety that the chair should turn back they offered themselves to escort the vehicles which they had thus interrupted in their progress from the apprehension probably that some of those who had casually united themselves to the riot might disgrace their systematic and determined plan of vengeance by those acts of general insult and license which are common on similar occasions persons are yet living who remember to have heard from the mouths of ladies thus interrupted on their journey in the manner we have described that they were escorted to their lodgings by the young men who stopped them and even handed out of their chairs with a polite attention far beyond what was consistent with their dress which was apparently that of journeymen mechanics a near relation of the author's used to tell of having been stopped by the rioters and escorted home in the manner described on reaching her own home one of her attendants in the appearance a baxter a baker's lad handed her out of her chair and took leave with a bow which in the lady's opinion argued breeding that could hardly be learned at the oven's mouth it seemed as if the conspirators like those who assassinated cardinal Bethune in former days had entertained the opinion that the work about which they went was a judgment of heaven which though unsanctioned by the usual authorities ought to be proceeded in with order and gravity while their outposts continued thus vigilant and suffered themselves neither from fear nor curiosity to neglect that part of the duty assigned to them and while the main guards to the east and west secured them against interruption a select body of the rioters thundered at the door of the jail and demanded instant admission no one answered for the outer keeper had prudently made his escape with the keys at the commencement of the riot and was nowhere to be found the door was instantly assailed with sledge-hammers iron crows and the coulters of ploughs already provided for the purpose 
with which they prized heaved and battered for some time with little effect for the door besides being of double oak planks clenched both end long and athwart with broad-headed nails was so hung and secured as to yield to no means of forcing without the expenditure of much time the rioters however appeared determined to gain admittance gang after gang relieved each other at the exercise for of course only a few could work at once but gang after gang retired exhausted with their violent exertions without making much progress in forcing the prison door butler had been led up near to this the principal scene of action so near indeed that he was almost deafened by the unceasing clang of the heavy forehammers against the iron-bound portal of the prison he began to entertain hopes as the task seemed protracted that the populace might give it over in despair or that some rescue might arrive to disperse them there was a moment at which the latter seemed probable the magistrates having assembled their officers and some of the citizens who were willing to hazard themselves for the public tranquillity now sallied forth from the tavern where they held their sitting and approached the point of danger their officers went before them with links and torches with a herald to read the riot act if necessary they easily drove before them the outposts and videttes of the rioters but when they approached the line of guard which the mob or rather we should say the conspirators had drawn across the street in the front of the luckenbooths they were received with an unintermitted volley of stones and on their nearer approach the pikes bayonets and lockaber axes of which the populace had possessed themselves were presented against them one of their ordinary officers a strong resolute fellow went forward seized a rioter and took from him a musket but being unsupported he was instantly thrown on his back in the street and disarmed in his turn the officer was too happy to be permitted to rise and run away without receiving any farther injury which afforded another remarkable instance of the mode in which these men had united a sort of moderation towards all others with the most inflexible inveteracy against the object of their resentment the magistrates after vain attempts to make themselves heard and obeyed possessing no means of enforcing their authority were constrained to abandon the field to the rioters and retreat in all speed from the showers of missiles that whistled around their ears the passive resistance of the tolbooth gate promised to do more to baffle the purpose of the mob than the active interference of the magistrates the heavy sledge-hammers continued to din against it without intermission and with a noise which echoed from the lofty buildings around the spot seemed enough to have alarmed the garrison in the castle 
it was circulated among the rioters that the troops would march down to disperse them unless they could execute their purpose without loss of time or that even without quitting the fortress the garrison might obtain the same end by throwing a bomb or two upon the street urged by such motives for apprehension they eagerly relieved each other at the labour of assailing the tollbooth door yet such was its strength that it still defied their efforts at length a voice was heard to pronounce the words try it with fire the rioters with an unanimous shout called for combustibles and as all their wishes seemed to be instantly supplied they were soon in possession of two or three empty tar-barrels a huge red glaring bonfire speedily arose close to the door of the prison sending up a tall column of smoke and flame against its antique turrets and strongly grated windows and illuminating the ferocious and wild gestures of the rioters who surrounded the place as well as the pale and anxious groups of those who from windows in the vicinage watched the progress of this alarming scene the mob fed the fire with whatever they could find fit for the purpose the flames roared and crackled among the heaps of nourishment piled on the fire and a terrible shout soon announced that the door had kindled and was in the act of being destroyed the fire was suffered to decay but long ere it was quite extinguished the most forward of the rioters rushed in their impatience one after another over its yet smouldering remains thick showers of sparkles rose high in the air as man after man bounded over the glowing embers and disturbed them in their passage it was now obvious to butler and all others who were present that the rioters would be instantly in possession of their victim and have it in their power to work their pleasure upon him whatever that might be End of chapter fifth